And thank you for the vacation time, as they would say in Hawaii, mahalo. And, you know, we heard it so many times on, you know, the overhead at the uh, airport or whatever. And uh, my kids, we started saying mahalo for everything. I mean, you know, good morning, mahalo. Uh, I just hit my thumb, mahalo. You know, I just missed my flight, mahalo. So um, I say mahalo <laughs> to you. Uh, and like any vacation, you know, I, those of you who are old enough to remember 35 millimeter slides and the carousels. Did you ever go to somebody's house and all they did was, you know, and they played and made you watch. Here's us at the Grand Canyon. Here's us at the biggest ball of twine in the world. You know, here's us beside the car. I would never do that to you, but I do have one picture. <laughs> one picture. And it's not of me on the beach. You wouldn't want to see that either. Now, I drove by that for a solid week. Brent and I were there for the first week by ourselves, staying at a Navy uh, facility. And then the last week we moved to, with all of our kids came over, but our oldest son and his family. But we had a, like, a, I don't know how many of this was. I can never count. Ten of us. Were there ten of us in the house there for a while? But we, the, the way to get to the house we were staying, I kept going by this place. And I don't always like to eat at chain restaurants. Well, there aren't many chain restaurants on that island. But I'm always looking for a different place to eat. And does that not look like a Hawaiian version of a Texas ice house, you know, or a roadhouse? Or, I mean, it, it could be floors in Hawaii, right? Are your eyes good enough to read what it says? There's no way to zoom in on that, is there, Royce? I mean, I don't think, can you? It's Borthwick Funeral and Cremations. So it was one of those restaurants I didn't want to go to. <laughs> but it worked so well because I knew what I was going to preach. I knew the passage that I had. I'd already set the passage for Dan or I set the passage for Ed and they both didn't like it, but they lived with it and they did a wonderful job. But when Jesus shows up at the funeral, there's a party. And that's what that really is. Should be always a celebration of life. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me, please, to the 12th chapter of the Gospel of John. And I'll read for you in just a second. But before we do that, um, I want you to know that there are other um, texts. Did I put that slide in there, guys, or not? Yeah. There are uh, this, you know, the Gospels, and I hate to always give you the like Sunday school lesson, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those three are very similar. Uh, there are many commentators, many theologians that say there was one common source that the other writers drew from. Uh, we believe as Baptists that they're all inspired by God, and if God used somebody else's source to help inspire somebody else, I'm okay with that. John is often the different guy. He, he writes differently. His Greek is different. But this particular uh, event, an anointing of Jesus, occurs in all four Gospels. But they are different in each account. Now, does that mean there are multiple anointing? Could be. Does it mean there are different viewpoints of the same anointing? Because my sister and I just had this conversation. My dad would always tell me, if there's a car accident and you have three witnesses, there'll be three different accounts. I mean, I got a policeman right in here because everybody sees it a little bit different. Oh, the blue car was at fault. No, the white car was. Well, I don't know. 
let me just give you some summary statements. In Matthew, and there, there are the passages, if you want to look these up sometime later on today, it's a great thing to do with your time, I think, to, to go deeper into the Word. Matthew, in chapter 26, they are at Simon the leper's house. And an unnamed woman anoints Jesus' head with perfume. Likewise, in Mark 14, and both 26, Matthew and Mark, are towards the end of his ministry. Which, if you know John, I think Ed made reference to it. This is, the, this is the end. He's pointing his face towards Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. He's going to die. And the rest of John is going to be his, his death and his resurrection. So Mark has the same account. It's at Simon the leper's house, and it's an unnamed woman. In both of those two accounts, it says others complained that they had misused this perfume. You know, it was very valuable. Uh, John, the Gospel of John, throws Judas on the bus, says it's Judas right there. He names it. You know, he points his finger at him. Um, and Jesus, in both occasions, steps back and says, hey, whoa, don't get on to this woman. And he goes on in those two Gospels to add the line that wherever the Gospel is preached in the future, they will talk about this woman. Now, in uh, the Luke account, it's, uh, excuse me, um, I got myself, yeah, Luke, how did that, I did that wrong. No, it's underneath. Yeah, it is Luke. I did it right. Uh, Simon the Pharisee's house. Simon, in fact, some commentators say it's at the Pharisee's house, but they don't name him. But if you read the passage, it says Jesus talks and asks Simon a question after there's been some condemnation towards Jesus because the lady who does it is an immoral woman in the Luke 7 passage. Now, who would ever say Mary? In fact, some would say it's Mary Magdalene that did it. Anytime a woman let her hair down in public... It puts you in some, you know, judging position. So, um, were those three accounts or the four that we have in John all the same? Well, I'll even give you one more. There are some commentators that say that um, Lazarus's father's name was Simon, and that Simon, the Pharisee, had leprosy. I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me if they're all one or if there's multiples. The fact is that there was a gift that was given unto Christ that was beyond normal people's giving levels. It was a sacrificial gift, a extravagant gift of love that Mary poured upon her Savior Jesus. Why? Undoubtedly, she loved him for who he was, but she, he had also just brought her brother back to life. And she was saying, I love you, I thank you, I believe in you. So, today we talk about the lingering fragrance of love. If you have your Bibles, I'm finally going to read for you John 12, verses 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, probably the third Passover that's been mentioned in John so far, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived. The timing between where Ed and Dan were preaching and where I am, we're not really sure how much time has gone by, but it's still a recent event to Lazarus's resurrection. Where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Oh, let me pause right there. That's why I didn't say in John, it doesn't necessarily say they were at Lazarus's house. 
You read that clearly? It doesn't say they were at Lazarus' house. They said they're in Bethany where Lazarus lived. And if there was a community dinner, somebody's got to be preparing it, and Martha would be the one who's out there. So whether it's her house, this uh, other person's house that's mentioned in the other text, we don't know, Simon or not. So here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And commentators love to talk about that they didn't sit down in chairs. Uh, moon is very much like in Korea. When you go to, out to eat in Korea, you sit on the floor and you kind of relax and your feet might be kicked behind you and that what, that's what made his feet so accessible for her, her to you know, wash his feet and anoint his feet. Here dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out about a pint of pure nard. Some will say a pound, uh, whether it's 12, 16 ounces. We'll talk about that in just a second. An expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Let me pause for just a second. As I said, John calls out who it was that was complaining, and he'll talk about Judas's character. But it is amazing to me that even, you know, this is written all with hindsight, with God's inspiration. But they have to remind us what Judas did and how many times we feel like we are defined by our sins. Nobody forgets you were the kid who got kicked out of high school, Cliff, for one day. Yeah, I'll tell you that story some another time. You didn't know that till I shared it, did you? Okay. <clears throat> Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Klepto is a Greek word, like kleptomaniac. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone. The Greek is tremendously hard to uh, put into English there. This is probably the best. I've heard so many different people. King James will do it a little bit different. Bottom line is Jesus is saying, you know, don't mess with her. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus. I mean, if you'd heard that somebody had been dead and he was alive again, wouldn't you want to come look? Whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about today the lingering fragrance of love, how many of us have kept our perfume on the shelf and never risk the investment of pouring it upon you or upon others that you've called us to love. Today, as we look at this passage, it's a familiar account of one woman's love for our Savior. Help us to see how we too might 
participate in this extravagant love that Mary had, knowing that the time for love is now. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the verse that I hung the sermon on is that Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of that perfume. Brenda and I recently watched, and this is why we were, I think, on vacation, watched uh, an episode of Hometown. You know, that's the, the group Ben and Aaron in uh, Laurel, Mississippi. And they opened a, and it might have been an old one. I don't know if we were watching a new one or an old one, but it was, uh, they're opening a scent library in that town. They took an old building, totally revamped it, and there they sell different candles that have various scents. I think in that particular episode, there was someone that she was known by her either kids, aunts, I mean, uh, nephews or nieces or grandchildren for her lemon cake, I think, or lemon cookies and something about Christmas. So they blended like lemon and Christmas or something. I, I probably blew the illustration, but in any event, you get what I'm saying. They, they make senses. Sense? Does that make sense? Wow. They make sense that bring you back to a period or to an event or to a memory in your life. And you know that. You know that. There are many ways that when you smell something, it will remind you of something. That uh, first boyfriend aftershave, how cheap it was. Or that first girlfriend's fragrance. You know, you never know. And, and I read this this week as you start looking how many how many can we remember? Well, if you believe the internet, our human body is the nose and the, all these little sensors that are in there um, can distinguish between one trillion, one trillion scents or fragrances. But our minds, <laughs> there is the limitation. Some of us are limited more than others can only remember about 50,000. And if you started listing it, and all the things that you remember, and all the things that you've smelled in your life, from stinky diapers, Lord, you ought to forget that, to my mom's homemade chocolate chip cookies. The good and the bad, and that was the ugly. So, the fragrance of love is without question the greatest fragrance there is. However, I would offer for you today, it is the most fleeting. Think that through. The love that Mary showed to her Savior filled the room. But that smell of love turned into crucify him within a week. I was looking to see if, I'll go ahead and say it. I think he's a kind enough soul. He won't beat me up too much. Dr. Ron Berry, uh, a few years ago, I think he did a live catch of a skunk on his property. I would have shot it, but then it would have stunk anyway. But thinking it wouldn't stink, I think it did its thing on him as he tried to dispose of it. And I just recall him saying, it got into the leather of my wallet. I had to buy a new wallet. It stunk on me so bad. And I think 
the scent of hate, prejudice, you name the evil that we do in our lives, is like skunk stink on us. And I know when skunks spray a dog, I think somebody said you're supposed to put them in tomato juice. I, I think just shave the dog and let it go. I don't, I don't want to be the one shaving the dog. But the, the scent of love will always be stronger than the scent of hate. If you're in a smelly environment, many of us will get an air freshener and squirt it or spray it. If you're in a hateful environment, always exude the fragrance of love. And that's the first point, extravagant love. Now, there's a quick little definition if you don't know what the word extravagant is. Uh, some of you would say it's extravagant to eat anywhere other than McDonald's on the dollar menu if you're going out to eat. And Judas was probably one of those types, concerned about money, concerned about how much he could pilfer, if you will. And I don't want to beat up on him too much because I think we've done that throughout the centuries, but Mary displayed her love for Jesus in, ex in an extravagant way, something that was beyond most people's mindset of what would be reasonable to show love. This perfume was almost certainly her dowry. And I know some have argued that Lazarus was a very wealthy man. Maybe if you take that one commentator that said his dad was a, one of the Pharisees. I don't know. But she had perfume that was worth at least a year's wages. Now, I've heard some modern applications. They say it was worth $10,000. Well, I think you can... Well, I think it'd be hard to live on $10,000 a year if you're having to pay rent, insurance, telephone, utilities, and feed yourself and drive your car and buy gas. $10,000 would be pretty tough. So just figure out what you guys make a year and say that's what that perfume is worth. King James, I'm pretty sure, says it's 300 denarii. And a denarii is what they made, a, a common worker made a day. So... Couldn't get paid on a Sabbath, couldn't get paid on a holiday. So it's basically a year's wages. This perfume called nard, I think King James says spike nard. Uh, it's derived from the roots, the spikes of a plant most often found in India that would be, uh, you know, squeezed and this oil, this perfume would come. And then, obviously, anytime you buy something imported, it often costs more than what can be produced locally, so it was very expensive. But it was also a way to put your money away. Rather than have 300 coins of denarii, you just had, you know, a little vial of, that's like your bank account up here on the windowsill. Most people say it's 12 ounces, 16 ounces, whether you call it translators, whether you say it's a pound or whether you say it's a pint. Um... But it was a small amount, but yet large enough. Think about it, think about it in a Coke can way. When you start thinking about how much is in a Coke can, pouring that out on his feet, it does seem to be a larger amount than just a small amount of small bottle of perfume. And I would suspect that none of you have perfume in your medicine cabinet or in your bathroom that is worth more than a week's wage. I'm going to gamble and say that. Most of you probably don't spend more than, I'm going to be go out on the thin, you know, thin ice here. I doubt you spend more than 
I'm looking at a couple of the ladies. They're all looking down at their shoes. <laughs> Maybe I should look at the men. I doubt that any of you men out there have spent more than $200 on a bottle of perfume for your wife. Walmart's got it right down there for 99 No, nine, whatever. Okay. But I tell you what, you may not have perfume that is so precious, but you have something that's precious to you. And it's going to be different for each one of you. What's precious in your life? What's the most precious thing in your life? Is it your desire to succeed? Is it how other people think about you? Is it something material? Is it a car? Is it a boat? Is it an airplane? Is it, is it something? Is it your house? Is it your pension plan? Is it your 50 whatever? Or is it your 401 or IRA? Or is it, is it what's in the bank somewhere? So would you or could you give it to Jesus? Would you allow your children, because that's many of us, our most prized possession, right? Would you allow them to give up the lifestyle that you have helped create and provide for them to go off with Saul and go on a mission trip and say, you know what, Saul, I like it so much down there in this country where I can't hardly even find, you know, good this and that and stay. Would you want one of your kids to enter the mission field? Would you be willing to tap into that precious treasure of yours to help support missions? Would you finance others to go? Would you go yourself? Would you consider giving more than the designated tithe? If Norris was alive, he would be thumping the floor so hard. Would you consider giving more than the tithe to your church? Well, God doesn't need your most valuable possession, but you need to give it or at least make it available to serve him in a greater purpose. How extravagant is your love? Most of us have read The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry, favorite story we tell about, I think, is his name Dell? I have him written down somewhere, but... It's a man and a woman, the young newlywed. She's got long hair. He's got his, like, his grandfather or somebody's pocket watch. And at Christmas time, with no money to provide each other a gift, she cuts her hair, sells it to buy him a watch bob or, a, you know, the thing the watch hangs on. And he sells his watch to buy a beautiful brush for her to comb her long hair. And upon seeing her, he realizes she's cut her hair and... She tells him, you know, this, I've got this for you. And it's just kind of, I don't know if it's an irony, a comic irony, but it, it is the expression of sacrificial and extravagant love. Christ is not calling you to cut your hair or to sell your watch unless you love your hair or your watch more than you do him. Extravagant love, maybe, maybe not. We come to church, we sing the hymns, we utter the prayers, you listen to a sermon or at least try to stay awake. But then, do you love others in the way that Jesus loved you? Do you prioritize your Sunday afternoon? I can be on the couch today watching March Madness, or I can go do something for my Savior. 
because he loved me with an extravagant love. I told this to the, we had our test drive class, a great class, well, great class, I let it, yeah, right. We had a, a great showing of people today uh, expressing some interest in our church, and, and I said, this is an illustration I want to use. Do you know the smell of Play-Doh? That's one of those 50,000, I bet. If you've ever played with Play-Doh, you could probably remember. And during COVID, if you know this, uh, Play-Doh company, did you know Play-Doh was originally made to take the soot off of wallpaper? You can't get it off of your, some things, if it dries there forever, I know that, but if you've ever had children, they leave it out, you know, but uh, during COVID, uh, Play-Doh took a great idea and made Play-Doh for uh, adults, and I don't mean that in any kind of nasty way, but I mean, they made it adult Play-Doh, and it took on the flavors, here are some of the smells that it had, um, overpriced latte, I guess it smelled like coffee, Lord of the Lawn, smells like grass, Mom jeans. I don't know what mom jeans would smell like. I guess just like jeans. I don't know. And one called Grill King. It smelled like cooking meat or whatever. Or burnt meat if dad's cooking it, I guess. I don't know. And according to the uh, CEO of uh, the Plato company, you know, that's uh, making this, they said that uh, everyone loves a good laugh, but it also has become, during the pandemic, uh, a time for parents to do more activities with their children while they're home together. Well, how about extravagant love activities with your child? Think about that. Maybe go next door and, and help a neighbor, whether it's mowing or painting or cleaning up or washing a car. Maybe it's going together to a soup kitchen. Maybe it's going together to Sunday school. Maybe it's going together to a, a Bible study somewhere. Those are extravagant showing and gestures of love that we should be doing each and every day. God's love is truly extravagant. The oldest Webster dictionary I could get the definition of love was wandering beyond limits for extravagant. God's love has no limit for you and I. John 3.16, we learned months ago, for God so Yeah, you got it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you and I. Extravagant love. Second, time to love. It's been said that timing is everything. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, even says there's a time for love. Mary's action says that you will always have the poor, but you won't always have me. So the time to love is right now. Reading from the vantage point of the resurrection, we know that, once again, Jesus is forecasting his death. He knew that the cross was waiting for him. And he says, let her alone. She has anointed me for the day of my burial. As I said, those earlier ones, Matthew and Mark, uh, the woman, the unnamed woman anoints his head. Here she's been anointing his feet. One commentator I read this week said that that smell, that 12 ounces, that pound of perfume placed upon his feet, whether you say it was his feet or his head, would have stayed on his body for days to come. As he's riding a donkey into Jerusalem, he still had the smell of that spikenard. While he's hanging from the cross, dying for you and me, 
he still smells of the love that was expressed to him from Mary. The time to love is always now. We don't know who was in attendance that day beyond Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus. And obviously, we know that Martha is the, the one who her, her gift of love is in service. She's doing something. And, and perhaps Mary's gift of love, if you, these you know, different love languages, was in giving. Lazarus was there strictly as testimony. He's got to be smiling ear to ear. I am enjoying my family again. I'm enjoying my friend Jesus. I'm enjoying this meal. And to everyone who's looking at me, I am testimony. So time to love, if you think about just those three women, you have this way to look at it. You have a way to do it in action. You can do something in action. You can do something in, that would be Martha. I'm trying to help you stay with me. You can do it in adoration. That's what Mary was doing. I adore you. You are the Lord. I, I, I pour this over you. I'm anointing you. Or you can do it in testimony. So when you go from this place today, think of some way that you can be loving to those you come into, whether it's in action, adoration, or testimony. Now, Anytime you have, and I know Dan and, and Pierce were asked to preach, uh, Dan and Pierce, sorry, <laughs> Dan and Ed were asked to preach. Uh, Pierce is getting to preach every Sunday. We need to talk to him, see how he likes that. It's a little different, right, Dan? Right, Ed? A little different. When you've got weeks to prepare, man, there are so many things that you can think about. I need to say that. i got this illustration. I can do on this. And I want to get real personal with you. I don't know what it is. My mom turned 90 in February. I don't mean to get emotional. Um, I know I'm getting older. I look in the window, or the window. I look in the mirror. I look in the window, and I don't see anything. <laughs> Kenton's here, I told you. I can't hear, and I can't see. I can't think very well, either. I can still entertain. I want you to know that. I can still eat, too, buddy. Um, but I don't know. I haven't been fixated on death. But I have been fixated some way on the brevity of life. And of course, I saw that in my ministry as we shared in this group. I've been doing ministry or trying to be doing ministry full time for 39 years now. This is today concludes really my eighth year at this church. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> um. But it caused me to do a lot of thinking. And, of course, I think, in, I think in biblical things and I think in movies. And I think in cars, too. But the movie that kept coming to mind, I had to go look up the title because, you know, it's, it's, you see movies, you can't even remember it. It's called Collateral Beauty. Anybody see that ever? Will Smith? He, he says he's an advertising exec or CEO. And, and he says something in the very beginning that there are three things that connect everybody. And it's love, time, and death. And if you're in the advertising world, if you can tap into those three things, you will connect people. And as the course of the movie, spoiler alert, anybody ever think they're going to go watch this? And I know you're mad at Will Smith. I am too. Um, but if you think you might see it, put your fingers in your ears for just a second. His, um, now you might see this in the previews though anyway. His uh, six-year-old daughter, I think she's six uh, year, years old, she dies and he is so angry, he writes three letters. One to love, 
one to death and one to time. And in one of his conversations he has, or the letter he writes to death, he says, you, you are in middle management. He said, I prayed not to God, but I prayed to death that you would take me instead of my daughter. You're middle manager. You can't even do what someone asks you to do. Well, I stand here today to say, don't be fixated on death. Don't be fixated on our limited time, but be fixed on love because Christ came and did take our place. He offered himself up for our sins to be that ransom that we would be able to have life everlasting. John writes, they will know that we are Christians by our love. Now is the time to love. Now is the time to show extravagant love. Stand with me, please, as we pray. Our fathers, we come now to a time of invitation. If there's someone here who has never experienced the love of Jesus, I pray that this would be the moment that they give their heart to your son. Lord, they may not know all the steps that come after this, but just the admitting that I am a sinner, that I cannot make it through this life, I will not make it into glory without faith in you, is the first step to say, I want to believe in Jesus. And you will forgive them. You will anoint them with your extravagant love. I pray that if there's someone here today like that, that you would have them respond at this time in which we ask those who want to make decisions to come to the front of this church. Father, perhaps there's someone here who just wants to come and, and kneel on these steps and, and seek prayer. Prayer warriors are here. They'll join them. They'll pray right beside them. Father, perhaps there's someone here who has been carrying a burden. They have kept their precious bottle of perfume on the shelf and they have held back the anointing that they could give to you and to others that you've called us to love. They need to come to you and restore some brokenness in their life. Please, I pray, Lord, that they would feel the Holy Spirit speaking to them in this moment. Move now, Lord, for we ask you to come and to move your heart, the hearts of these people who believe and have come here to worship you today. This is our prayer, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.